Welcome to the CSL Olympia podcast. In this episode, you will hear an opening prayer, followed by a talk. You can learn more about us at our website, cslolympia.org. Blessings. And in that Hmm. awareness of being centered with the candle and the bell and the affirmation and the energy of the room and the energy of life overflowing in, through, and out of myself of actually it's happening to all of us. I speak of my own experience and invite you to join me in this knowing there is only this one, one life, one energy begun even before the Big Bang, just always there, always creating, always being that of which we are each essential parts. My life, my experience, is one of knowing I am essential. Essentially a part of that one. Essentially a part of the truth. Essentially overflowing as that one. As that joy, as that grace, as that (coughs) fabulosity. That is, at my core, all that I am. Join me, knowing that each of us is ease, grace, joy, prosperity, unlimitedness. In this month of being open to curiosity and asking how and why and where and who, I know a lot of that is not my job. It is my job to say, wow, what would happen if? And so I just open my uh, possibilities, enjoy the opportunities. What would happen if all good came to me? Wow. I don't have to do the work. I just say, yes, I'm okay with that. In fact, I welcome it. All good. All prosperity, all joy, all life, all love. And I say came to me because it comes to my awareness. Only only that is the limitation. It's already here in my truth, in my life, in my experience, because I am one of that one, that one that is all there is. And so that truth is I I release my experience of limitation, and I embrace all that good each day as much as I can embody that good, it comes to me. Today, I open my mind and I say, what can I gain from this talk today? What if I just say, yes, what would happen Ooh, that's exciting. So I open my mind and I say yes. 
and I open my arms and I welcome it in and I embody the wisdom. A little bit more every day. And in that awareness and in that welcome, I am so grateful. So grateful. So grateful for this joy. So grateful for this excitement. So graceful for the possibilities. It is possible to have more, to have gooder, to have betterer, to add more errs. <laughs> it is good to laugh and be joyful. This is what spirit is. This gooder, this good. And I am willing to be that too. So I release my word into that law, that law that does what I say, oddly, does what I believe least. It creates in a magical way, not my job, not my pay grade, above my pay grade. I just say yes, and spirit does the rest. Join me in saying yes. Yes. And so it is. So it is. Our theme this whole year is living out loud. Take a breath. Living out loud. That means being fully ourselves. It doesn't mean we have to run around and make a bunch of noise, by the way. Okay? But we have to allow, well, you can if you want to. But we let ourselves out. We let ourselves be. And this month, our theme is curiosity as a superpower. Mmm, yes. And so today we're going to look at what lies beneath the surface. What lies beneath the surface? See, we live in an infinite universe, yes? Some of you are not sure. We live in an infinite universe, and if you're not sure, just take my word and all these other people's for it. And we can approach it by playing sort of safe, trying to do it right. Remember we talked about that last week? We can approach it by trying to do it right, or we can approach life, capital L life, with curiosity and openness. We can be outside of our need to control. Because when we're in our need to control, we don't want to be open and curious, do we? Mm -mm. So we can approach life with wonder and awe. And this takes looking at surface appearances and going deeper or higher. What lies beneath the surface? Or higher, way above the surface, into that better or -er 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 -er. Gooder, er, er. One of my friends likes to say that don't let good be the enemy of better. It takes a mind that is open and curious. Albert Einstein said the important thing is not to stop questioning. Curiosity has its own reason for existing. One cannot help but be in awe when one contemplates the mysteries of eternity, of life, of the marvelous structure of reality. It is enough if one tries to comprehend only a little of this mystery every day. I like that last line. If we every day try to comprehend a little bit more, if we every day try to be a little more curious about something else, baby steps, it's enough. Breathe that in. We want to stay not locked in the cage of certainty. 
which is based in fear of loss of control. When we were young, the whole world was our playground, yes? You know, we were, it was fresh, it was new, we were, it was inviting, uh, and, and we explored, and we were curious. And as we grew a little bit older, often peer pressure, the desire to fit in, the desire to be cool. Do you know what's cool? Dead bodies are cool and cold. That's what coolness gets you, is heading towards death. Our desire to fit in, to be cool, not only, and not be openly excited and curious about life anymore. To be right and certain. You know, in school we were taught, you've got to have the right answer. Two and two only equals four. What if it doesn't always equal four? What if there's other ways of looking at that? But we weren't encouraged necessarily to question. I grew up in Catholic schools, most of you know. And, you know, I asked questions like, how is it that a loving God can send people to hell? And if Jesus died for our sins, then it doesn't matter if I sin anymore because it's already covered, right? <laughs> and those were not greeted with lots of, you know, warmth and support. <laughs> so we've got our peers, we've got our parents, we've got school pressures, we've got teachers. Don't question the teacher, don't question the parent's authority. You know, it's this way because, you know, it's my house, my rules. Yes? You may have heard that. We were encouraged to shut down our curiosity, our excitement about life. And yet that childlike wonder lives within each of us. It's still vibrantly alive. Most of you are here because you're vibrantly alive and curious. Otherwise, you would be in the same church that your parents grew up in and their parents grew up in, and their parents grew up in for the last 500 years, right? And instead you said, maybe there's something else. So that childlike wonder lives within us, looking for permission to come out and play, and yet we forget that ultimately we are the ones who locked it away, and so we are the only ones who can give it permission to come out and play. Take a breath and give your child permission to come out and play, to be curious. To be open. We can't expect that permission from outside of us. <laughs> Emerson, in his essay, Self-Reliance, says, For nonconformity, the world whips you with its displeasure. Yes? Many of us have experienced that. And yet curiosity is one of the most basic calls of life. It's life, it's spirit wanting to know itself. It's in our ability to create and be curious about not only our creation, what we have created, but even the creative process that led us to create itself is an opening. It's the divine flow. It's the divine urge expressing through us, seeking to express and experience itself. It is the divine falling in love with itself through us. Through us. We are the lovers and the beloved. And curiosity is an opening to express and experience that love. Breathe that in. Am I willing to be a lover and a beloved of the universe? Since love is the core nature of the divine, curiosity isn't just a power, it's a superpower. That openness, aligned with the core nature of the universe, asking what and how and why, replaces just because, or that's the way it is, that's the way it has always been, that's the way it always will be. 
It's so much easier and more comfortable, isn't it, to just not think, not be curious, to just accept <coughs> the way it is? Accepting that there's this urge within us that it's not easier for, right? When we do that, we don't need to challenge ourselves to think or heavens to Murgatroyd change and grow. Yes, that was Snagglepuss. <laughs> curiosity leads to more aliveness. And curiosity, while it's within us, is often awakened by situations and things outside of us. It's stimulated. And it can come as a surprise. Uh, the author David Brooks, who wrote the book The Second Mountain, call, has what he calls, or, or says we all have what we call, annunciation moments. Annunciation moments. Something that sparks an interest and arouses an entrancement an entrancement and a desire which carries on throughout our lives. He talks about a seven-year-old boy who has a powerful experience with life uh, in the sea, the life that lives in the sea, and out of that becomes a naturalist. He said his own, one of his own sons at five years old was out on a baseball field and fell in love with the field and the players on it. And that was how it colored his whole life. He learned geography, and he learned math, and his conversations were all oriented around baseball between father and son. It was the thing that, that stimulated him. He said he had another do- uh, daughter who uh, fell in love with hockey, and this day as an adult coaches hockey teams. And that's been her passion. He has another son who fo- fell in love with philosophy. The spark of interest and curiosity takes us deeper into life. And Brooks also mentions that annunciation moments come often having a sense of something lost and something found. The young boy who was at the ocean was there because his parents were divorcing, and they sent him off to live with another family at the ocean. I asked myself as I was reading this and writing this about my own annunciation moment. Did I have I ever had one of those? And I realized it was a church. When I would sit in the Catholic church, it was peaceful. There was deep ritual. (laughs) Emerson also says, I like the silent church before the service begins better than any preaching. (laughs) Which makes me kind of feel, um, (laughs) you know. But it was. It was that, that quiet church. I didn't, I didn't fall in love with the mea culpa, mea culpa, you're an original sinner stuff. I didn't fall in love with that. I fell in love with Jesus. I fell in love with God and felt that love, which was unlike what I felt at home. So there's a sense of loss or, or not here and the sense of there's something over here that just calls us. And I invite you to think of yourself. What is it that has called you, maybe from an early age, that kind of sits there. You know, for me, spirituality was something that was in the background all through my life. Yes, I had jobs. Yes, I had marriages. Yes, I had all this other stuff. But this, this love of the divine was in my life all the time. And so when I got invited to go to ministerial school, kind of completely unexpectedly, it's like, well, why wouldn't I? I'm the kid who's been in love. And, you know, building altars in my basement, saying mass, and my friends were all playing baseball, you know, for my whole life. Curiosity calls us to lose something, which is our idea of how things are. To gain something, which is a greater, uh, a betterer idea of how things are. Thank you, Buffy. 
Jesus speaks of this in the Gospel of Thomas when he says, let him who seeks continue seeking until he finds. What kind of a person seeks? A curious person. Yes? Let him who seeks continue seeking until he finds. When he finds, he will become troubled. When he becomes troubled, he will be astonished. And then he will rule over the all. I find that phrase, the all, capital A-L, very interesting. Our curiosity may take us to someplace uncomfortable, someplace that doesn't fit with our current worldview, and we will be troubled. Anybody been troubled? As we wake up and say, hmm. Our intellect, our place that knows how it is, will be troubled. Because dang it, we like to have it all worked out and, and think that everything is, is you know, good in place and we got the right answers and know how to live and all of a sudden something comes along and says, boop, no you don't. <laughs> Our view of how it is will be troubled. When we discover an idea like, I am the thinker who thinks the thoughts. I create my experience of life. Our worldview of fate and destiny and things just happened to me is troubled. But if we continue on through that, if we don't just bounce and say, oh, I'm going to stay on the surface and not look too deep. I don't want to look too deep down into that. If we continue on through and begin to realize the truth and power in this idea, we're astonished. Yes? How many of you remember when you first discovered this idea, whether it was in religious science or somewhere else, that your thoughts are creative? And didn't you kind of go, oh, wow, and kind of maybe at the same time, oh, <clears throat> stuff. <laughs> I'm dealing with a few things in my life right now that I'm sitting here going, no, it's them. It's not me, it's them, it's that out there. But it's not. So I have to sit back and say, mm, I am the thinker who thinks the thought. So we're astonished, then we find out that by using our thoughts consciously, we rule over the all, the infinite. We're called to look past the surface. Rumi said, you've been walking the ocean's edge, holding up your robes to keep them dry. You must dive naked under and deeper under, a thousand times deeper and deeperer. Love flows down. That's our call. That's our invitation. Will we dive deeper? Will we dive deeper? As we look past the surface, we find that what appears to be so rigid and so permanent, so solid and so fixed, is really fluid and volatile. It's what Emerson calls liquid law. Things change, have you noticed? And thought changes them in directions we want to go or not. And it takes curiosity to see past the illusion of solidity, but if we don't see past the illusion, we'll have no motivation to change, and everything will stay the same or seem to stay the same when it's really just us not changing. We spoke last week about, I spoke last week about a strawberry. 
holding and contemplating a strawberry and the millennia of evolution, the whole universe that is contained within that strawberry. That strawberry originated 13.5 million years ago or maybe even earlier than that. And it's present in each strawberry. Do we take the time to be aware of that? The same is true of each of us. We don't see that in ourselves or others because we are trained to judge the appearance. Yes? And yet each of us is conceived from 13.5 billion years ago. The universe grew us. And then will continue to grow past us. There was a well-known experiment done a few years ago where the renowned uh, violinist Joshua Bell decided to go to a DC metro uh, subway station at morning rush hour and play his $3.5 million Stradivarius violin. He played six pieces, and out of the 1,100 people who went by, they, they, were, they, had, you know, they watched the cameras for that area, out of the 1,100 people who went by, seven stopped and listened for any length of time. Seven. Hardly anyone stopped to notice or listen. The exception was small children. You can see on the film, every once in a while, it's like the children are like, <gasps> you know, and then their parents are dragging them along. Come on, come on, this is not important. We don't have time. So a few people dropped money into his till, into his whatever he had there. $52 total. 20 of which came from somebody who recognized him. Right? Two nights earlier, people had paid $100 a ticket for his sold-out concert in Boston. And here they had the chance to listen for free or maybe just to drop a couple of dollars into the hat. But we're too busy. Do we pay attention? Do we make time? as we are focused on our busy daily lives, do we take time to let our curiosity and our attention come out to play? Or are we like the busy children pulling their, busy parents, I should say, pulling their children, and their children really are their own inner child, that they're pulling along saying, we don't have time, this is not important. Are we gentle and attentive enough to listen to our own inner voice of curiosity? And to follow it. Sometimes our curiosity wanders down paths that just pretty much lead nowhere, yes? And sometimes they wander down paths that reveal some great treasure, some great aha that we would have missed had we not wandered down that path. Are we willing to go without having to have a particular ego-assigned result down that path? Mary O'Malley in her book, uh, What's in the Way is the Way, says, can we ask a question of our inner self? Can we ask a question of the universe without needing the answer? To just sit in the question. To just explore beneath the surface. So this week, I'm going to invite you to one and only one, don't do anything else, no, to add one spiritual practice or to expand one spiritual practice. And that is, be curious. Look more deeply. Consciously choose to look beneath surfaces 
Look beyond surfaces. I'm going to encourage you to let that inner curious child out and play. Are you good with that? Are you good with that? Yes! (laughs) I want to close with a quote from David Brooks from the book The Second Mountain. To feel wonder in the face of beauty is to be grandly astonished. A person entranced by wonder is pulled out of the normal voice in your head, self-absorption. Do we know what he's talking about, anybody? Pulled out of the normal voice in your head, self-absorption, and finds herself awed by something greater than herself. There's a feeling of radical openness, curiosity, and reverence. And so we have an affirmation to remind ourselves this week. Say this with me. I explore the infinity of life with radical wonder and curiosity. Once again, I explore the infinity of life with radical wonder and curiosity. So it is, and so I do. Bless you. Thank you. I remember there is one infinite presence, only one, one life, one love, one mind, one beingness. And it is good. It is a good beyond anything we can conceive of. It's even good beyond gooder and gooder. It's still more than that. And because it is all that there is, each of us is one of that. Already is. No way to be other than being one of that. And so we ourselves are the life and the love and the light, the power, the peace, the beauty, and the joy of spirit, individually expressing. And I speak my word that we open with curiosity and allow this love, this joy, this divinity that we are to express, to experience, to dance and play in this life. This is how it's supposed to be. It's only when we forget that we move into struggle and strain As Emerson says, the infinite lies in smiling repose. And so we align with that. We align with the flow. We align with the love for ourselves and each other. Compassion for ourselves and each other. Yes, we all forget. Yes, we all spill soup sometimes. We just simply say, I'm sorry, I spilled the soup. But overall, we continue as the love as the curiosity, as the openness. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful that we do this. I'm grateful that we practice this. I'm grateful for every person here and every person who is in alignment with this kind of a thought, this kind of a teaching, this kind of an idea that is opening the world to be a more loving, more wonderful, more accepting place. And so I release this word into the law that moves it into form and expression and experience for each of us right here, right now. It does so. And so it is. So it is.